Welcome to We Live Here, stories of Humboldt families coping with COVID. What you are about to hear are lived experiences of struggle, of hope, of suffering, and of resilience as people give birth and care for young children during extremely difficult times. I'm Ronnie Swartz, the director of the Altruistic Behavior Institute at Humboldt State University. This episode is called, We Get Through Things. Latrice has three children in her family, including a seven-year-old she cared for during COVID. I'm talking to you from my bedroom office. Oh, hi. You checking us out? Yeah. You gonna join us, or? Yeah. With the shut-in, it's been, yes, more isolated. Me and my husband was just talking about this last night. We were always going, going, like every weekend, going on an AU tournament um, from the third grade. My daughter, you know, they've all done sports. And so we've always been active family. So to have it all just stop and not have sports, you know, it was kind of like, whoa, like a rude awakening like my 17-year-old daughter, I think it really struggled for her because she was active. She's active in her Black Student Union. She's part of the student government and sports, three sports a year. So not having that that go and being active, I think it, it really has affected, you know, our family, like just on all levels because we, that was just part of our culture is, is to go, like to be on the go. For her, it was really hard as to why I can't be with my friends, why I can't be on campus. She was, you know, being a kindergartner, um, you know, she's in first grade now. So last year she was in kindergarten. This is like, you know, the kindergartners, they thrive off the face to face interactions, the building with their teacher, their classmates. Like it's, it's very like the social part is like a huge part of kindergarten. So it was very hard for her. And she ended up making a video, basically her pouring her heart heart out of how bad the corona was and how she hated it. And like, literally like, I'm tired of this. I want to see my friends. I want to, you know, interact. And we were one amazed that she would just make this video on her own, that she could be able to know intentionally um, that she's going to record herself talking and, and sharing her feelings. Um, that was what amazed me. It wasn't that she could just make a video. Like it was that she could express her feelings and frustrations. And when we saw the video, we were like, oh my goodness, like, wow. It was like, 
look, we listened and just her heartfeltness with it. When she like didn't want to be on the Zoom or was just really struggling after the video and you know missing her friends and want to know why she can't go back to school, I reached out to her teacher and her teacher ended up putting on her schedule like weekly just to check in one-on-one. That was a game changer. And sometimes she was the only one who was on the Zoom and she would have these incidental one-on-ones. That really helped, even if though, if, even if it was like it was like a half hour, you know, or 15 minutes. As a kindergartner, your your relationship building with your teacher and your your classmates, that's that's like huge, you know, that that social aspect. So I just found myself, you know, being able to advocate for, you know, her, my daughter more and just trying to be involved and stay connected to the teacher and, you know, other school campus. I was more actually in the kitchen with Olivia because she was on her Zoom um, school and I was trying to like make sure she was getting through because a lot of times she'd get distracted or not be on task with the Zoom. Um, so I just sit with her and then we both be doing our work. But that became an issue because I have to do calls so I really do need my personal space so that when I'm, if I'm taking calls from people, then, you know, I can do the calls in a confidential manner and not have the TV blaring or, you know, those type of things. Um, she likes, doesn't like to use the earphones um, at home. And one thing with Olivia, she really, really struggled. And I reached out to her daycare, old daycare provider. And she usually only keeps children between the age of zero and five. She focuses on the preschool age and she does like for her alumni, you know, does summer sessions. And if there's holidays or breaks, she will, you know, let them come. And so I reached out to her and she basically set up a classroom and allowed her, some of her alumni um, do school from her daycare. And so because of the COVID pandemic, we qualified for some daycare assistance due to the COVID-19 since she wasn't in school and we had to work as essential workers. Me and my husband are both essential workers. And she was able to have that social interaction in a safe, you know, small um, pod. And we were really blessed because she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to. I mean, she literally made a classroom in her and ordered desks and her uh, her daughter went away to college. So her daughter's room basically became the classroom. Even though I had responsibilities with, you know, work, um, I did agree to be a, a site council member 
from the school because I want, I, it was an opportunity for me to, to be connected. And I felt to actually, and, and have a voice as a parent and input and to help advocate for other families. Um, that has allowed me to get a better understanding of structure, how the district works. And when it comes to like equity and accountability and, and learning objectives, all that, I'm like, oh, this is really a core part of, you know, what the school has to do. Like, yeah, this is a great opportunity for me to be involved and to, you know, with COVID, you know, try to be a voice, not only for my child, but for other families as well. The hardest part for me in, in this whole thing is with the expectation that we still have to, to have our kids do assessments and still be held to these national um, testing standards. To me, the biggest strength is that our kids and staff have survived through this pandemic. Um, so not focused on what they aren't doing or what, they, what if they're not at grade level or this, but the fact that they have, you know, been able to get through it. And a lot of times she'll say, oh, because of COVID, I forgot we can't do this or we can't do that. You know, her hearing it from all avenues, from her teacher, from us, she is able to articulate and, and grasp that concept of we are limited because of COVID. And as much as I'm still struggling to get her to, to, draw, to, to get on Zoom for art and music. She just like she has not wanted to do music at all, even though she loves music. She hasn't wanted to engage online. One day I was like, hey, that's, you know, it's 1030. Let's get on the art class. And she did it and was like, oh, excited. They did these 3D snowmen. And then like yesterday, I'm like, come on, Livy, you know, get on. And she's like, I don't want to, you know. So I'm like, no. And so I think that's hard, too, because, you know, you you know, the teachers, they have to keep the kids engaged and integrating them. But I don't push. I sent a note to the teacher. I'm just like, I, you know, I offer, but we don't do every assignment. I mean, we do the best we can because I try to get not too intense in, in, in this back and forth thing. And that's one thing that um, her kindergarten teacher really like helped me. She just like, look, you offer it, you try, but like, don't make it a whole drawn out thing. If she doesn't want to like do what you can. So um, they have to learn the subject matter, but they also have to be able to do that on the computer. So that's, you know, they're learning, having to learn the technology earlier and sooner. Right. And so um, it's all a learning. And if you, if you're already struggling with the subject matter, like math, she, she really struggles with, and she's like, I can't do it. I'm the only one in class who can't do it. Everyone else. And it's like, no, I talked to <laughs> the teacher and the principal. They're like, no, she's not the only one. Like she may feel like she's the only one, but she's not the only one struggling. What I have found is like with math, she needs someone to go through each problem with her. She's not going to just sit there and go breeze through the whole page. And like my expectation is like, okay, if, if I do something with you once, you should be able to move it along, but that's just not it. So I'm like, okay, multitasking, trying to help her and 
you know, in between, I just try to do the best I can. And, you know, I'm consistent helping, you know, with, with the schoolwork because, or if there is something, then I just like tell everyone else, okay, can you help her with this? If I, if I'm not physically here or it's, it takes a teamwork and we all help each other as best we can. Yeah, she actually had attended a um, a camp last summer. It was a cultural camp, um, Harambe camp, and she was around other black and brown children. And she enjoyed that camp so much that I kind of reached out as a parent on the email um, group to see if anybody wanted to like, just like stay in touch pen pals. So now... You know, here we are going on a year later and this relationship that she has started in a, in a summer camp, she is still pen pals um, with one of the girls and they have kept their bond together. You know, we really have still been able to make connections with the COVID in a socially responsible way. And also with, you know, we don't see our close friends as much, but we do sometimes drive by or we talk on the phone and she does talk with, you know, family members and we do a lot. Like I have a, a bi-weekly Zoom call with my dad's side of the family. Also just trying to be creative of what we can do as a family more. We, you know, we have taken like going to more hikes. Um, we did get a dog. I was like, I was very apprehensive about adding another uh, being to have to care for um, but he's very much part of the family and <laughs> he you know makes us happy and protective of us and so it's been a good a good thing to adopt him you know emotionally um, it was a good emotional support to have and we had talked about that as you know something that could be helpful for mental well-being that sort of thing so that's why you know we were able to you know entertain it more and just everything the circumstances and you know we were clear that everyone has to take responsibility especially with our schedules and you know so with COVID usually somebody's home and that has allowed us to be able to you know acclimate him to our home and our family more because usually we wouldn't no one would be here so it's been you know great all around for that adjustment birthdays are hard and holidays when, you know, at school, they're used to having their little parties and bringing stuff. And she really wanted to do something. So we, she came up with the idea of having her own drive-by. She ended up, you know, with presents. And it was a good day, like on her actual birthday, which was a weekday. So it made her, it really, like, brightened her day. It just goes to show you, you can't control 
everything, but you make do with what you have. And I think it allows us to be more creative. You know, we have to be more intentional with our outreaches to family and friends. And um, it's, it's, it's made us be still more and think of how to, how to still get what we need. You know, as humans, we're resilient. We, we, we get through things. This episode of We Live Here was produced by Ronnie Swartz. Support for this project was provided by an Adverse Childhood Experiences Collaborative Partnership with First Five Humboldt and the Humboldt County Department of Health and Human Services. Sharon Swartz served as the Early Childhood Education and Development Consultant. Francois K. prepared the Spanish language track. We Live Here took inspiration from We Are Your Community, Aaron Youngblood-Smith and Amy Matheson's effort to increase visibility of African-American HSU students. Sydney Wilson and Jessica Golly helped with a previous attempt to circulate We Live Here stories from the Humboldt Bay community that was brought to a halt due to public health restrictions. Humboldt State University is located on unceded ancestral Wiat land. To learn more, visit the websites of the Wiat Tribe, Blue Lake Rancheria, and the Bear River Band of Ronerville Rancheria. Sincere thanks to Latrice for sharing her stories of caring for family during COVID with me and with us because we live here. Mm-hmm.